Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. I just don't think it's talked about enough. I don't think we're reaching pregnant women to tell them this might happen. You want to prepare for it as much as you can. You want to reach out for support as soon as you are feeling these things because it is this, there's this pressure around you want to, you want to portray this. I'm so in love with my baby. I'm so lucky to have a healthy baby. And it, it seems like selfish in a way to even say, Hey, I'm not doing that well. So that's what I want to, I want to reach people and make it okay to talk about, but also how can we support women better? Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I'm Kristen Dovniak, holistic health coach and your host. And today I have another fabulous guest episode in our women's health series. Today's topic is a really important one. And as I share in the episode, I don't think we talk about this aspect of motherhood, health and nutrition enough. This is something that I've been through personally myself twice and definitely did not receive guidance in in the way that I think would have been beneficial for me. I definitely learned a lot more in between my two pregnancies, and it was something that I was more intentional about with my second pregnancy than my first. But today, we are talking all about postpartum nutrition and our needs postpartum after having baby. So today I am so honored to have Michelle Tag on. She's a functional nutritional therapy practitioner with a master's in data analytics, and she's also the host of the Nourished and Nurturing podcast. I was on their podcast 
a couple of months ago now, and I will of course post that link in the show notes, but Michelle and I connected through the Modern Mamas podcast retreat. I'm sure you guys know Jess and Laura are both fabulous. Jess has been on the podcast twice, and Laura's also been on the podcast, and I just adore both of them, and their podcast is one of my must-listens. It is definitely in alignment with this podcast. Um, So if you're looking for another podcast for motherhood, their podcast is incredible. And so is Michelle's Nourished and Nurturing podcast. Michelle supports women during the prenatal and postpartum period so they can find better health for themselves and their babies. She specializes in helping mom to understand the special nutrient needs we have at this time and aid in recovery to give babies the best possible start. She's the co-author of Real Food for Real Moms, a postpartum prep guide, which gives women information on preparing for the postpartum period and provides recipes that can be made ahead and frozen before the baby comes. She's a mom to three-year-old Connor and six-month-old Ashlyn and lives in the Chicagoland area. So today we are, not surprisingly, talking about postpartum nutrition and mom's needs in the postpartum period. I think we're, we are spoken to a lot about our needs during pregnancy, the you know do's and don'ts of pregnancy nutrition, nutrients that we need, and we're kind of left hanging oftentimes when it comes to nutrient needs in the postpartum period, whether or not we're nursing. And it's so important that we as moms are nourished, not just in our bodies, but in our minds and in our souls. And we, we talk about nourishing ourselves in, in every area in this episode as well, and that we're well prepared as much as we can be for this postpartum period so that we can be the best moms that we can be. So we can focus on our babies, um, but also be healing in that postpartum period in a way that is really supportive. So I'm so excited to share this episode with you. So much good information. If you are planning to have a baby in the future or you're in the postpartum period yourself or you are helping other women in your family or your community in their postpartum period, this is an essential must-listen episode. So I can't wait. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Michelle. Hey, Michelle, welcome to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I am so excited to have you on. Thanks so much, Chris. I'm excited to be here. We have so much great information to share with the mom or the mom-to-be listening, I am so sure. But I love to start with just a really quick icebreaker just to kick things off. Yeah, sounds good. So I love to ask my guests, what is the first thing that you drink when you wake up in the morning? So it's funny because I'm like super into the first thing I drink in the morning. It's, well, it's water now. Um, Postpartum, I've had a pitcher of water by my bed every night and it's like more like middle of the night feedings. I'm drinking and first thing in the morning, I'm drinking at least two big glasses of water. But I do, it started with like the bulletproof coffee thing years ago. And now it's this like decaf smoothie thing. That's my breakfast every day. So it's like lots of fats, decaf coffee, uh, prenatal vitamins and collagen. So uh, that's been my breakfast every day for like five years, like some variant of this coffee. And I'm super into it. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. I go back and forth between doing kind of like a blended coffee and just coffee with heavy cream. Those are my favorites, but there's nothing like a good blended coffee in the morning. 
Yeah. And I actually haven't been able to do caffeine since my first was born. I did a tiny bit during pregnancy and then just sleep issues postpartum, which I know we're getting into, but I have been off caffeine for almost three years now. He's almost three. So. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Good for you. That is, that is so great. I halved my caffeine this year. Um, I was noticing it was triggering some of my anxiety. And so I went to half calf but that's as far as I've gotten. I don't think I'm quite ready to give it up entirely. (laughs) No, it just affects my sleep more than I'm willing to let it affect my sleep. So I've tried to let it inch back in a little bit like matcha and it just, it's not worth it. Like, (laughs) so. Yeah. Everyone's different. Everyone has that different tolerance to caffeine. So, but I, I, even if I did go totally decaf, I could never give up coffee. It just tastes so good. (laughs) Yeah. So Michelle, you and I connected now, I guess it was a couple months ago now through the Modern Mamas retreat. And I know that we both adore Jess and Laura. Um, And I was so excited to hear that you are not just an NTP, but an NTP focused on postpartum nutrition with two little ones yourself. So I have, you know, had many requests from women to talk more about prenatal nutrition and fertility. And I have some guests talking about that. Um, But I don't think that postpartum nutrition and postpartum health is talked about enough. There's a lot of how do I get pregnant? What are the things I should do to get pregnant? How do I have a healthy pregnancy? What are the things I should do for baby? But there's so much less when it comes to what do I do to take care of myself postpartum. And so that was why I wanted to have you on today. So I'm wondering what inspired you to pursue a focus in postpartum health? Was it your own experience or something you learned or a combination? Yeah. So I think a big part of it was my own experience and I'm in this nutrition space. And like you said, there's so much out there about labor and delivery, but also nutrition during pregnancy. And I was consumed in this and kind of doing all the things. But there wasn't a lot out there about postpartum nutrition. And so I had a very healthy pregnancy. I had a home birth. And I I almost say it was like naive that I wasn't preparing for this postpartum period. And I just thought it would go seamlessly, like breastfeeding won't be an issue. And I'll just bounce back. And it, it was kind of this place of I was cocky about it in a way like oh you'll all see I'll be I'll crush this <laughs> but um it was not like that spoiler alert <laughs> so we had issues breastfeeding with my son he had a tongue tie but there was just a lot of other things my sleep was off um there were mood issues and I wasn't very well taken care of so we didn't do a lot to prepare and again I kind of just assumed that I'd be able to continue to cook for myself and eat the healthy way I've been eating in this postpartum period. But with the issues with the breastfeeding, we were doing the breastfeed, pump, then bottle feed him. And it really took all of my time. And that wasn't something we had planned for. My husband didn't take enough time off. So I was left completely depleted. And that wasn't something I expected or, and I didn't know what to do with it when it hit. And I, I'm not even sure I knew how bad it was until I went through this again with my daughter and it doesn't have to be like that. Um, so 
yeah, I just don't think it's talked about enough. I don't think we're reaching pregnant women to tell them this might happen. You want to prepare for it as much as you can. You want to reach out for support as soon as you are feeling these things because it is this, there's this pressure around you want to, you want to portray this. I'm so in love with my baby. I'm so lucky to have a healthy baby. And it, it seems like selfish in a way to even say, Hey, I'm not doing that well. So that's what I want to, I want to reach people and make it okay to talk about, but also how can we support women better? Mm, Yes. And I think it's okay to be like, I am totally in love with my baby. I'm so excited about this new phase and I'm also struggling. I think it's okay to tell moms that you can be struggling and also be in love with your baby and also think this is a really wonderful time, but you are physically or mentally having a hard time with it as well. I know my story was very different from my two postpartum experiences. In, um, you know, there were difficulties in, in both instances. I mean, the second time around, I had a big kid to deal with and not deal with, but, you know, to work around and also love while I was, you know, learning to become a mom of two. But the first time around, we also had a lot of issues with breastfeeding in the very beginning. I had a really stressful labor and delivery experience. And it was definitely, I felt like I was kind of thrown into this motherhood thing. And I remember researching a whole ton on, you know, things to do immediately postpartum. Like, you know, I got the right creams and sprays and baths and all those things to heal my body in that way. But I was not prepared for the stress that my body was going to undergo trying to deal with breastfeeding. And, you know, we went to the lactation consultant three times a week for the first few weeks. And it was so stressful and so crazy. And I definitely, I was very similar to you. I was not, I was not supporting myself in the way that I needed to. And my husband went back to work after two weeks. And my mom came and stayed with us for about 10 days. And then after that, I was on my own feeling very depleted. So I am 100% with you. And I think that so many women have experienced similar things. And so I think it's so encouraging to to tell the mom that it doesn't have to be this way, especially if you've had a baby and you felt this before, or if you're nervous about this happening, we can definitely, we can definitely turn things around or we can definitely change that narrative. So I would love to just start from the nutrition side of things and kind of talk about nutrient needs in the postpartum period. Because I know that we just talked about, we hear a lot about nutrient needs during pregnancy, and I truly believe not nearly enough about postpartum, where we arguably would need even more support when we're recovering from birth. So I'm wondering if you can just share kind of what are some women's top nutrient needs in the postpartum period? Maybe the things that you see women often missing out on. Yeah. So pregnancy can be extremely depleting on your body as a woman. And then labor and delivery is obviously a big physical act that you need to recover from. So there's there's nutrient needs, but there's also the need to support your body in this recovery process. Like what what are we dealing with? Digestion is lessened right after giving birth because Like you think about running a marathon, you don't want to eat a giant meal right before you run because your blood is rushed to these other areas of your body. Postpartum, your blood is rushing to actually heal your tissue from whether it's a C-section and you have a scar or a vaginal birth where you've stretched out and need to heal possibly some tearing. Your body needs to go through that healing process. So digestion is not as good right after birth. And this is something you do need to support with 
potentially foods that support digestion, but also eating things like soups and um, recovery building foods that have this collagen. So collagen is one of the nutrient needs and that's, so the same as gelatin and it's a different molecule size, but this is going to help with skin tissue. It also helps with joints and things like that. But as you're recovering from this birth experience, you do have this need for repairing tissue and collagen is a really big thing. So the supplements, the collagen peptides are really popular now, but there's also things just like eating bone broth or eating meat with the bones in it, you're going to get that gelatin or the collagen. So also iron is a really big one. You lose a lot of blood during labor and delivery and you built up a lot of blood during pregnancy. So you also have this iron need during pregnancy, but while you're still bleeding, there's not a lot talked about with the iron and you probably still need to be at those pregnancy levels of about 27 milligrams a day is what they recommend until you're done bleeding. And that could be anywhere from two to six weeks after giving birth. So you want to make sure that's up. And then there's other nutrients for breast milk that are really important. So calcium, if you're making milk, you need to be taking in calcium to make sure there's enough calcium to make your milk. So that's at about a thousand milligrams a day that you want to make sure you're getting. And dairy is obviously an excellent source of calcium, but the way the way the mineral calcium works in the body is it needs cofactors to absorb the calcium. So just by drinking milk, you're not necessarily using the calcium from what you're taking in. So you want to make sure you have other nutrients like vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin K2, and magnesium that help the calcium get absorbed. And then some other good sources of calcium are things like kale, spinach, broccoli, sardines. If you eat any fish that actually have the bones in them, like some salmon can come with the bones in it, like the small fish bones, those are excellent sources of calcium if you're able to digest them. And sesame is another good source. So vitamin D, in addition to needing it to absorb calcium, it's really important for getting in your breast milk as well, because babies, you know, you're not exposing them to the sun at all for six months. And doctors, a lot of times will recommend supplementing baby, but if you're breastfeeding, you're actually able to take it in as mom and increase what's in your breast milk. So some nutrients in your breast milk will be the same, no matter what mom is taking in because it will just take it from your body, from your cells and give it to the baby if, if you're not taking in enough. But there's other nutrients. Vitamin D is one of them where the more you take in, the more is going to be in your milk. So that's a really important one. And it's really, if you're at all deficient, it's you probably want to be taking like 10,000 IUs a day if you're breastfeeding to make sure your baby's getting enough if you're not going to supplement baby. So that's something I think a lot of people are taking like 1,000 IUs a day, like one little pill or it's in their prenatal and thinking they're getting enough, but it's likely not enough. So um, choline is something that's really important that I feel like isn't talked about a lot. It's a nutrient that it's not a vitamin or a mineral, but it's a nutrient that's essential for brain development for babies. So this is really important during pregnancy, but also during breastfeeding. And 
It's often not in prenatal vitamins, so that's something you might want to look at. Um, I think it's a common misconception that you just continue to take your prenatal and you're covered. But it's really, there's so many variances in prenatals, especially with how your body's able to absorb it, that it's really just so much better to get it from food. Um, but in addition, I'd want to check check your prenatal. Does it have choline? Because the amount you need per day during breastfeeding is about 550 milligrams. Potentially, there's some some research that's showing it could be as much as 900 milligrams a day. But at that 550 level, that's four egg yolks. So that's egg yolks are a very significant source of choline, and that's a lot to eat in a day. <laughs> so. Um, my prenatal has about 250, so that I need another two or three a day. But um, I, I think that's definitely something worth looking into. DHA is another thing that's the more you take in, the more is in your breast milk. And similarly, it helps with brain development for baby. So, and this is omega 3s that people talk about, but there's ALA, which is from plants. So, something like you talk about the omega-3s in flax seeds. ALA can convert to DHA in your body and then give your baby DHA in breast milk, but that conversion is very poor. It's somewhere around, it's less than 5% of that ALA will be able to convert to the DHA that your baby needs. So really fish is the source of that. Um, and it's going to go back to what they say during pregnancy, having fish three or four times a week. If you're not able to do that, I would supplement with something like a cod liver oil to, again, make sure baby's getting enough of this because th there's not DHA in your breast milk if you're not consuming it. And it's likely not in your prenatal, at least not in any significant quantity. So um, one other thing I like to consider during postpartum health is supporting the thyroid. So a lot of women can be depleted in, in thyroid hormone postpartum. It's extremely common. And some things that you can do just to support the thyroid are uh, eating selenium and iodine. So selenium, it's if you ate two or three Brazil nuts every day, you're kind of covered. So you could almost consider that like a supplement in the morning. I'm going to eat my three Brazil nuts to support my thyroid postpartum. And then iodine is really in sea, sea vegetables like seaweed or kelp. They have these, um, the dulse flakes that you could use instead of salt and that has iodine in it. A lot of people switched from the iodized salt to sea salt, which does not have iodine in it. So that's something that your body needs to make thyroid hormone. And a lot of people are depleted in that now, but specifically in the postpartum period, you have greater needs for thyroid support. Mm, oh my gosh. <laughs> so much there. So good. I love that you mentioned choline. Um, I had Lily Nichols on in a, a couple weeks ago, and I guess I, am, I believe her episode is going to be airing right before yours. So they will have just heard that. And she was talking about choline needs during pregnancy. And that is something that I had, you know, I'd known about just through my own nutrition training. I had known about the importance of choline in pregnancy. But I want to say when I was in college, so like 
12 years ago in my life cycle nutrition class, the teacher kind of briefly mentioned the research that was coming out about how important choline is for baby's brain health during pregnancy. And it was just like a mention and moving on. And she was very well versed in the latest research when it came to prenatal nutrition. And that was actually one of the things that made me interested in prenatal nutrition way before I was considering having kids. I don't even, I wasn't even dating my husband at this point or you know, my then boyfriend at this point. So there was no, there was no consideration of that. But, you know, I honestly don't think that was something that I considered in the postpartum period. Um, definitely not with my first. And I, I loved eating eggs. So I definitely ate eggs regularly, but it was more like, I think there was that disconnect between what we need during pregnancy. And then we'll just take your prenatal and you'll be fine in that postpartum period. But I love the research that has just come out on vitamin D too, because, oh my gosh, what a weight off of a mom's back, I think, just to think, oh my gosh, if I am breastfeeding, if I just take it in myself and I take it enough, then my baby will get that rather than having to think about also supplementing your baby. So, and also, oh my gosh, the thyroid support as well, I think is a really, really important note because I think a lot of women don't consider there are other hormones other than, you know, their, you know, their female hormones that are recovering kind of in that postpartum period. So I think that is so, so helpful for, for the mom listening. So I'm wondering if there are, so you mentioned a few foods that would be really helpful for the mom in the postpartum period. So you mentioned, you know, collagen, so you mentioned bone broth being one of them, uh, choline with eggs, um, cod liver oil or fish for that DHA. Um, milk products, but also, you know, the leafy greens, the broccoli, the sesame, all those for the calcium. Are there any more maybe, you know, postpartum foods that, because you talked about oftentimes the best way to get a lot of these nutrients is through food. And we'll talk about supplements a little bit more um, in a little bit, but, and you talked about a bunch of those as well, but I do think that the more we can get through food, the better. So are there any like specific postpartum foods or postpartum meals that you would recommend the mom look to make? Yeah. So we talk about this a lot in terms of these phases. So immediately post-delivery you don't have that digestive fire that you need. You also need a lot of warmth. You just lost a lot out of your, out of the midsection of your body. So you're kind of trying to bring back, I mean, some of this comes from an Eastern perspective, but you're really wanting to bring this warmth back to your center and not have this missing from you. So we do a lot of soups immediately postpartum. And it also has that collagen for the tissue repair where the needs for that are going to be the highest in the first five to seven days postpartum, maybe up to 10 days. But then the needs quickly decline in terms of needing an abundance of that to repair. And so we have a lot of soups, but then we're going to move to one pot meals so that you have, it again helps with the digestion to cook the vegetables with the meats and introducing more of these foods. But it's it's easy to get it all together and it's easier on the digestion. So that's where you're, we're going to start to introduce things like meat for iron and that's going to be beef. Um, and then there's, there's this other phase really when your milk starts to come in a little bit more where you actually need a lot more starch. So 
people talk about it in terms of needing additional calories during pregnancy because you're expending more energy to grow this baby. But during postpartum, the extra calories are generally from breastfeeding. And you're not making that much milk in the first, let's say, five days. And it ramps up really until three or four weeks. You're you're making quite a bit more than you were the week before. So there becomes this need for extra calories in the form of starch to give you energy to create this milk. So that's where women talk about being ravenously hungry. And that's where it becomes easy to turn to easy foods like quick carbohydrates and you feel like you need to just get something in. But we're going we're gonna to introduce meals that have more starch in them so that rather than eating what you were eating before and then being starving for a cookie, it was already in your meal. So that's not to say that you can't snack. We're not saying that at all. But it is better to think about meals in terms of adding in more carbohydrate so that you're supporting yourself before you get to that point where you just need to, you just need something. So uh, that's, that's really kind of the different phases is we're supporting the, the repair and the digestion early on, then we're supporting the breastfeeding. And then once your milk regulates around six, six to 12 weeks, probably by eight weeks, but you're not going to feel that, um, that need for being hungry all the time, you can kind of go back more to three meals a day. And then something else while you're doing night feedings, that that is probably a good time to have a snack, but let's have something that has fat and protein as well as some starch to last rather than getting hungry again. But you don't want to just go all night without eating if you wake up starving and have to feed your baby. So that's where we recommend things that are more balanced, but yes, have these things available so that you can eat them when you need them. So it's really planning. It's it's thinking about it ahead of time rather than being in this spot where you have to respond to cravings. Yes. Okay. So what then would be your best advice for preparing ahead of time? So for the woman who is preparing for her own postpartum experience, where do you recommend she starts? Because this is a lot of information and it's great information. I hope I'm sure the woman listening is taking notes if she's getting ready for her postpartum period, um, her post, the, the postpartum period, <laughs> her postpartum experience. So where do you recommend she starts when it comes to, okay, I'm going to have this baby. I'm going to recover. There's going to be a lot to think about. I'm going to be navigating potentially breastfeeding or feeding the baby in some way. I'm going to be navigating, you know, maybe having other children around and my own recovery. So where do you recommend she starts when it comes to preparing for recovery and preparing for those early phases of postpartum? Yeah. So I'm actually going to step away from the food for just a minute. (laughs) If you're talking about preparing, especially if it's your first baby, um, but really any baby, I want to prepare that support network. So do you need to have a therapist just in case? And this is where if you think you might have some of these needs postpartum, it's easier to set that up ahead of time, like contact somebody, have like, now you're having issues with postpartum anxiety, you know exactly who you're going to call because you set that up ahead of time. Same with the lactation consultant. Just in case there's issues, 
you want to know who you're going to go to, know that you trust them, get recommendations. So that would be my biggest piece of advice would be not to assume that everything's just going to go well and then have to deal with this when you already have the baby. Because it's really frustrating, especially if you you need a resource and you're fumbling to find somebody and then you don't like them. And then it's like, well, I don't want to go through the process of finding somebody again. So you just stick it out. And that's how just personally, we ended up not getting the tongue, di- tongue tie diagnosed until he was seven weeks old. And I was already back at work at six weeks. And that was really poor timing for us. So we, d- we didn't, we went to somebody that I didn't seek out and put that diligence into because it was like, oh my God, we need somebody now. So that's, it's, it's really setting up a whole support system. And if you're lucky, you don't need it. And the worst you did is waste a few hours thinking about this, but it's going to be easy to easier to do that work ahead of time. So I'm going to say the same thing about food. So you want to know how are you going to be preparing these meals and what are you going to be eating? So who's going to be doing that cooking? If you're married, have that conversation with your husband is like, uh, do you, do you want to be able to cook quick meals and he's going to be able to, to cook them? Or do you want to freeze things ahead of time? And all, all you do is take it out of the freezer. So this is something luckily for, for me, I've been preparing for this postpartum guide that we're creating. And I was doing this while I was, I think I started when I was around six or seven months pregnant. So we were testing all these recipes, putting in in them in the freezer, seeing how they thawed. And once postpartum came around, I did have a good stock in my freezer, but also my husband was very aware of what I wanted to be eating. So he was able to, once we ran out of whatever casserole that we were really liking, he knew how to whip that up. And he knew this is what, this is what she wants to eat. I know how to make this. So I think there's a lot of talking about it with your partner and just having these conversations around what you can eat. But from a practical standpoint, I do think partially preparing ahead of time is great. And it's going to depend on how much freezer space you have, but there's ways to, like I have a frittata recipe where you brown the beef and the veggies, and then you just freeze that in a freezer. And then all you do is take it out of the freezer, add 10 eggs, put it in the oven. So this is something that's manageable postpartum is cracking 10 eggs, pouring it over some beef, and sticking it in the oven for 10 minutes. But if you're talking about doing the chopping and the the whole process of standing in the kitchen for a half hour, it becomes almost insurmountable. <laughs> like you you have to eat whatever is there. So that would be my recommendation is find find ways to partially prep or practice what you're going to be making. So things like casseroles are great because they do have that extra starch and you can fully freeze them. So there's pans you can get um, like semi-disposable. Like if you want to throw them out, you can, but they're reusable from Amazon and you just make the casseroles and fully freeze them. Um, And then I I love it with the soups. We freeze them in uh, like half gallon glass jars that you can buy. And then all you're doing is taking that out of the fridge and or taking it out of the freezer and heating it up once you're ready to eat it. 
So I think that's definitely a good one to pre-freeze because you're, you're going to want that in those first days. Like that was all I wanted was these soups. So I, I was glad I prepared for that. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that you mentioned that prep. I think you know that I'm huge on doing some food prep and, you know, just in our everyday lives as much as we can, not every day, but, you know, once a week or a couple of times a week just to set ourselves up for, you know, eating the foods that make us feel good because it can be really hard when you've got a newborn or even if you just have little ones under your feet getting meals prepped. I know for my first postpartum experience, I did prep a whole bunch of meals ahead of time. But what was so funny to me and my husband was the only thing I wanted postpartum with my first was soup and sourdough bread with butter. Those literally for weeks on end, that was the only thing I wanted to eat. So I'd prepared like three or four soups ahead of time. And that was probably the best thing I did for myself postpartum was prepare those meals ahead of time. But actually about a year before I had my kiddo, my first, my oldest, I had worked at an industrial soup. I don't think industrial is not the right word, but I had worked at a soup manufacturing facility. It was a small company in Toronto where we had lived and they made these incredible soups. And so I was having my husband go probably every other day to Whole Foods and they would package them in mason jars, which was so great. I had him go like probably every other day to Whole Foods and to get these soups for me. And I wasn't making my own sourdough at that point and get soup and sourdough bread with me. He's like, we have a freezer full of food and all you want is soup and sourdough. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. He's like, okay, honey, (laughs) because he's not a cook at all. Um, But it was so, it felt so good. And now the more that I've learned in, you know, the seven years since I was pregnant and, you know, almost seven years since I've been postpartum with her is that how nourishing foods like soup and sourdough bread for gut health and, um, or, you know, a more gut friendly bread are for your body and the butter. Oh my gosh. So it was, you know, we always use grass fed butters. You've got a little bit of that, you know, vitamin D, vitamin K2 in there as well. So it's just so funny, just so cool. Um, but then with, with my second, I knew that things would be a little bit more challenging because I had another kiddo that I had to prepare for. So I also tried to do a little bit of freezer prep and something that helped my husband out because my husband is not a cook other than using the freezer meals. When we were out of freezer meals, we actually get a, got a meal, meal delivery service for a little while there. We did Sun Basket, um, which are a little bit more, you know, kind of naturally minded meals, real food meals, which we prefer in our house just makes us feel better. And my husband would prepare those because it was step-by-step. And if I tried to give him the step-by-step, he doesn't like to listen. (laughs) Not that he doesn't like to listen, but I think he gets intimidated. Um, Even though I like to think my recipes are very simple, he gets intimidated, but it was so much easier for him to at least have that available. And he would just kind of bring me the the website and be like, can you pick what we're going to eat for the next week? And I would pick out a few meals and he would make those. So I think I'm hundred percent with you with however you need to do it to prepare ahead, prepare yourself and then have that conversation with your spouse. I think it's so huge. And it would have saved us a lot of time for my husband going to Whole Foods every other day during my first (laughs) postpartum experience. Yeah, it is. Like in what you're describing, soup and sourdough is kind of exactly what I'm saying. And your body knows that you need that. So it needs to repair tissue. It needs the easy energy from the bread when your digestion is slowed. And then even the meat, if you have a meat in your soup, it's easier to digest because it kind of went through that cooking process in the soup. And there's there's an exchange where some of the meat is in the soup and it helps your digestion. So it's 
really kind of a perfect food. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. So I have a a question that I didn't tell you I was going to ask, but I just thought of it off the top of my head. I'm wondering if you have some good recommendations because I've heard a few different things. Um, So speaking of digestion in the postpartum period, one of the things that I know women are very concerned about after they have baby is that like the first few days and digestion and getting things moving because digestion is slowed in the first few days. Do you have any like nutrient recommendations or food recommendations during that time to kind of get digestion moving when it's super slow, typically those first few days after delivery? Well, that's really why why we're recommending foods that are easy to digest mm. because something like a soup and um, so I talked about my coffee smoothies already, but that was, it continued to be my breakfast in the postpartum period. It didn't always even have the decaf in it, but it was a warm smoothie. So it was full of fats and some protein. And it, again, it was warm to bring that digestive energy back to your stomach. So that's something your stomach has to heat up or cook food and then digest it if you're, if you're having something cold and raw. So avoiding, I I didn't have any salads until about two and a half or three months postpartum. Like it just didn't feel like my body was ready for that. Fruit is a little bit easier because it's, it's quicker to digest with the sugars, but there's a lot of Eastern medicine that doesn't recommend any raw food for kind of that first postpartum period. So we're trying to make it easier on our digestion. We're having things that are warm, we're having things that are cooked, and we're adding these liquids in. Um, But because liquids, if you just have carbohydrate in a liquid, it can really get in your blood sugar quickly. We're having these liquids that are balanced out with fats and protein. So a soup is like that, a warm smoothie that has lots of fats in it is like that. So that's what we're doing. It's like you're talking about getting things moving. And if you're talking about getting a steak moving, that's going to be very difficult postpartum. But if you're talking about getting a soup moving, you might not need that much extra support. So obviously there's like magnesium that can help with kind of getting things moving digestively. But I think if you're eating in a way that's going to support the state your body's in, you might not need that extra support. Mm, Yeah. So, so good. It's so funny. I mean, I think so much of this too is, at least for me, it was very intuitive in those early stages. But I, and you know, I didn't necessarily fight against it, but I also didn't really recognize those things. And so, you know, in preparing for my second postpartum, when I was learning a lot of the things that you're sharing, I'm like, oh my gosh, so much of it. If we listen to our bodies and we allow our bodies to tell us it's, it's okay to not eat a salad for months. There are so many other ways that we can get nutrients it doesn't have to be that we have to be eating salads or we have to be eating gobs of fruit or, you know, chewing on raw carrot sticks to, you know, become healthy in the postpartum period. And I think, um, you know, you and I talked when I was on your podcast about kind of that getting your postpartum body back and that that's a stress for so many moms. But during this phase, it really is about healing your body and allowing your body to come back to a healthy place so you can support your your kiddo, your growing baby, and maybe any other kiddos you've got around. Yeah. And I'll say, I'll add to that, 
the morning smoothies thing was just a great thing that I actually had trouble. Uh, I had a vaginal birth, but it, she was posterior and it was very difficult muscularly during the birth. So the recovery, I wasn't very mobile for about a week. And those smoothies were just the easiest thing for my husband to wake up and he knew exactly what I needed. And for us, that was just amazing. And then in the middle of the night, I had these lactation balls that I had a pitcher of water and these lactation balls on my nightstand. And it was like at whatever, the 3 a.m. feeding, I had them there ready to go and hydrated. So it was just really working with my body. And I I like with you, what you talk about with the intuitive eating, like this is it. And it's a time to really tune in as well, because you do have these unique needs. If this is your first baby, your body has never needed these exact things before. It's not the same as during pregnancy. It's not the same as you were before you got pregnant. You don't just go back to what you needed when you weren't pregnant. So I think, yeah, just working with your body and then making it fit into your family because you are going to wake up, you're going to be waking up with a baby and you're going to be hungry. So can you nurse a baby and drink a warm smoothie? Yeah, it's (laughs) Mm -hmm. make it easy on yourself. And once your husband learns how to make something, if it's something you can have over and over, it's, it's easy enough for them. So Yeah. And I think our partners want to help. They want to do something to help us. I know that in the early stages, struggling with breastfeeding and all that, I know my husband, you know, has talked about how he felt kind of helpless. He's like, I can't really do anything. I can't even like take the baby from you and give you a break because you're struggling with the baby, you know, feeding from you. And there's a lot that they can't necessarily do, especially if it's your first baby and they just can offer support. But I think having those simple ways that they can offer support for you as well, like you had talked about, you know, having that support team, I think it starts kind of at home with your partner. And then, you know, you also want to have those other ways to seek support, whether it's mental health or lactation or whatever, whatever it is that you might need. So I think that, yeah, I think that's a great way to have your husband or your partner, you know, give you a little bit of support in that, right? Where you just make me a smoothie, here are the ingredients, you can make this for me, or even having them make something like the lactation balls. Do you have a recipe for that that you would share with, or is that in your book? Uh, it is in the book, but I'll share that with your audience if they want it. That would be awesome because I know any sort of, you know, breastfeeding friendly snacks are all are so great. Because I know that I was, I joke that um, I have never been so hungry as when I was breastfeeding. And I wasn't all that hungry when I was pregnant. I don't think that maybe towards the, like maybe a little bit of middle end, but then you get to the point where you're just, or for me at least, I'm only five feet tall. So there was nowhere for babies to go. (laughs) So I was just like full all the time. I didn't really want to eat a whole bunch. So then when, you know, my babies came into the world and I was starving, I was like, I could not get enough snacks. So I think having those, those snacks on hand are so important. Do you have any other recommendations for kind of quick nutrient dense snacks for moms in that postpartum period too? I know you mentioned blood sugar balance and the importance of blood sugar balance, which is what we were talking a lot about. I was talking about Lily with the um, pregnancy side of things, making sure to balance your blood sugar during pregnancy, but it's just as important in that postpartum phase, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I, I'll touch on the galactagogues quickly. So that a galactagogue is something that supports your body in making milk. And that's something that a lot of women need. You're not you'll see a lot online of like people who are stashing their all this milk in their freezers and producing and producing and producing. That isn't the norm. And even with my second baby, I have not had issues with milk supply, but now that I'm back at work and I'm pumping, I need those galactagogues to be able to pump enough. Mm-hmm. So it's something I think to be aware of, but I think because they're easy foods like oats, uh, brewer's yeast, and there's also obviously these supplements like more milk or um, moringa, which mulungai or moringa, you can eat it fresh or dried. And these are common things to support milk. But a lot of our recipes have them in that just because it can't hurt. So something like brewer's yeast, it has extra B vitamins. It can support lactation. If you don't need that support, it's still a good healthy snack. Um, the same with oats. It's like we use gluten-free oats in the recipes and it's a good starch for breastfeeding, whether or not you need that extra lactation boost or not. But for snacks in general, it's really about balancing proteins, fats, and carbohydrates so that you're not getting this hit to your blood sugar. You do need a lot of good protein and fat for energy and for making milk, but also to balance out those, those carbohydrates. And we're not going to deny that you do need more starch during this breastfeeding period. So it's like, let's not go low carb. Let's eat more carbs, but let's also balance them out with more fats and proteins. And then especially in those early days where you might not be eating a lot of meat for your protein because of the digestive, digestive issues, it is nice to have these snacks that just have some added protein in it. So you you add some collagen peptides to your cookie recipe or whatever. Um, they, the advice for snacks is they don't need to be that sweet. You can still have a really good, like the lactation balls have a little bit of honey in them and some oats and like some dark chocolate chips, but mm. they're not going to taste extremely sweet, but it's it's sweet enough. (laughs) So it's supporting your body without a ton of extra sugar. If you buy things commercially, it's almost impossible not to get something with just a ton of sugar added. So, um, but we do have on my website, if you sign up for the email list for this postpartum guide, we do have um, a freebie where you get several recipes as well as like descriptions of several of these nutrients. So the lactation balls are in there. There's like a blueberry lemon muffins that also have lactation support ingredients. So a lot of it, we're just trying to bundle. Let's get as many of these nutrient dense ingredients as we can. So let's get eggs in the extra eggs in the muffins, but also the lactation support ingredients and the collagen. So let's make it easy rather than you having to know what's in everything I'm eating. Like, did I get enough iron? It's like, okay, let's make some recipes that have all -hmm. the boxes checked or as many as we can. I like that a lot. I love the simplifying things because I think it can be overwhelming. And I shared this a little bit when I was talking about 
my pregnancy in the last podcast about how I got very overwhelmed with the nuances of wanting to make sure I got absolutely everything and it stressed me out. And I think it, for the kind of type A woman like me, it could definitely stress someone out to be like, oh my gosh, I need to get all these things postpartum. But I think it's more so knowing and having the knowledge that these things are going to help support me in the postpartum period. These are going to help me have a healthier postpartum period, a hopefully a, you know, a healthier baby through a, um, breastfeeding and then support me in all of these different ways. But I can do this by in simple ways, by having these snacks that are going to be blood sugar balancing and having these soups and, you know, these meals on hand that are going to be packed with these nutrients that I need instead of going crazy over, I need this nutrient and this nutrient and this nutrient and this nutrient. (laughs) Yeah. Because as nutritionists, it's hard to even remember that not everybody knows where to find this nutrient in all these foods. Like we know that, but it's, it's really making it simple for moms who don't have a nutrition degree. Like let's just make some recipes that are really tasty and easy. Like muffins in like a sandwich bag, you can fit four muffins. Mm -hmm. So you can get a lot in your freezer and then take out one bag at a time. So that might be, you have two muffins a day, every two days you're taking out a bag of four muffins or whatever it is. Um, So let's make it taste good, make it easy, and let's make it support all the needs we have postpartum. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. So good. So I do want to kind of circle back and just touch a little bit on supplements a little bit more. So you mentioned a whole bunch in the beginning. You mentioned being able to take vitamin D, you know, like 10,000 IUs and giving that to your baby. Which supplements do you think are supplements that are pretty essential for most moms, you know, everyone's different. And how do they know what supplements they should be taking in the postpartum period, if at all? Because we want to try and get everything we need from real food, if possible. But are there supplements that you're like, okay, most women don't get this, you know, like you mentioned, vitamin D. Um, Most women don't get this, they might want to supplement in this way. And maybe maybe how to determine if that's necessary. Yep. So I think iron is a big one that it may or may not be in your prenatal and you probably want to look at the source of iron if it is in your prenatal. So there's iron from heme iron, which comes from meats. So you can get supplements that are heme iron that is much more easily absorbed by your body than non-heme iron. So non-heme iron is going to be things like chocolate or spinach, plant-based sources of iron. So first of all, you need vitamin C to absorb non-heme iron. So they need to be taken together, but also you're not going to absorb as much even with that vitamin C boost that it gives you. So I think that's something that even if you're eating quite a bit of red meat um, to support your iron needs, you probably still need a little boost while you're bleeding. Um, So like I said, that would be something where you can supplement somewhere around 30 milligrams a day, plus getting some from your food. Um, So I think that's something most women need, but that's um, if you get a CBC panel in your pregnancy, you'll be able to see your hemoglobin levels. So that would be something that I think most practitioners check at the 28-week appointment. Um, I think if you're getting it, again, postpartum, you have to ask for it. So um, the other one's vitamin D. So it's very difficult. There's some vitamin D in 
like the skin of salmon. There's some in eggs. Salmon roe actually has a lot, but I know that's not the most popular food in the world. Um, but one tablespoon of salmon eggs has 10,000 IU. And the cool thing about vitamin D is because it's fat soluble, you can bulk it a little bit if you want. So I can eat four tablespoons of salmon roe for three days in a row to get through my jar or whatever, and then not take, not do that again for a couple of weeks. Um, it will build up. It, it's not, it will build up in your fat cells and it'll be available to baby as long as your levels are up there. But that the flip side of that is if you let your vitamin D get low, it takes a long time to build up. So that's just something to think about, but I don't think most people are going to be able to get adequate amounts from food. Like most people aren't eating a ton of salmon roe. So I think that's a supplement you tend to need. And then the same with DHA, it can be really difficult to get enough fish. And I think even in the health space, it's something we might not be honest with ourselves about a lot. Like, oh, I, I cover all the things with my diet. And it's like, are you really eating fish four times a week? And some people are, but if you're not, I think it's easiest to just have that supplement to make sure that it, even just have it on hand and like, oh, this week wasn't great, but I still want to make sure my baby has this available. So I think those are the three things. In terms of getting levels checked, so at the six-week visit with your midwife, I do recommend that CBC panel. I also recommend getting your vitamin D levels checked. So the lab range is likely very wide, but you really want it to be somewhere in the 40s when you get your vitamin D checked. So um, Mine was low and I started supplementing more heavily and I was already supplementing quite a bit. There were some in my prenatal and it was still low. I live in Chicago and it was March. So <laughs> coming off of a winter, that's just where it was at. So don't think that you taking a walk every day in the sun is going to get your levels to where they need to be. Um, so I would get that tested and try to boost that up to somewhere between 40 and 50. And I would also get a thyroid, a full thyroid panel postpartum. There's just a lot of even people that don't have any thyroid issues before having baby, they can come up postpartum quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So you want to look at the, the TSH, but also the T3, T4, the free T3 and T4, because that's what's available to your body. And then also looking at the antibodies because autoimmune thyroid conditions do pop up postpartum and it's not that uncommon. So with thyroid issues, you're looking at low energy, hair loss. Um, but these are things that happen postpartum anyway. So they go undiagnosed quite a bit. It, and you don't want somebody to write it off being like, yep, that, you know, you're not going to sleep for 18 years. So, <laughs> um, so I really recommended that. But either way, like doing that selenium and the iodine to support your thyroid is a good thing for postpartum. And then I, I like looking at an A1C blood test. Um, so that's going to give you your blood sugar levels over time. So they likely are doing blood glucose tests during pregnancy where they're just looking at a single number to see what is your the sugar, the glucose in your blood right now. But the A1C is kind of a longer term average. So It'll likely be higher if you look at it in the six weeks postpartum visit. It'll likely be higher than it was before getting pregnant because 
long story short, your blood sugar goes up during pregnancy to create insulin to give energy to baby. So uh, you get, you talked all about this with Lily, I'm sure, but um, looking at your A1C numbers is going to kind of tell you how are, how are you handling what you're eating? Is it spiking your blood sugar or is it at, at a healthy level? So, and this would be something to look at these results. You might want to reach out to a nutritional therapy practitioner and work with somebody. Just if you're feeling off at all, it's worth having somebody look at your numbers. Yes. Oh, I'm so big on testing. If you do feel like anything at all is off, I can't even tell you how many women and I don't work with postpartum women specifically, but because I work primarily with moms, I do work a lot with postpartum women. And especially when I was working, I I used to be a personal trainer and I taught um, fitness classes and they were for moms. So we had a lot of pregnant and early postpartum moms. And I can't, and I used to do nutrition consults with them. And I cannot tell you how many women were telling me their symptoms and they were going, oh, I know I'm just tired because of baby. And I'm like, well, maybe you want to go get that checked because that sounds really extra tired. So maybe, go. you know, there's a couple of symptoms that'll come up too. You know, my hair is falling out in clumps. I'm super tired. I'm cold all the time. Or like these really, or I'm having um, I'm either cold or I'm having hot flashes and these symptoms where I'm like, you might want to go, you might want to go talk to your doctor about that. And I can't tell you at least a handful of women. And I, like I said, I don't work with postpartum women specifically who have gone and gotten their blood tests done and their doctors are like, yeah, you've got a thyroid imbalance or you have, you know, this thyroid condition might've been undiagnosed for years or it might've popped up in the postpartum after pregnancy. And so that just being one example, I think it can be really helpful to, to learn that. I was really thankful that I learned about my vitamin D deficiency before I was pregnant with my daughter. Um, I ended up having some pretty severe symptoms of vitamin D deficiency in the year before I was pregnant with my oldest daughter because we had moved up to Canada and I don't, I still live in the Northeast, but we had moved up just far enough North that I was really not getting any sunlight at all. I was not getting very much vitamin D at all compared to apparently what I had in the past. I'm just using that as kind of a marker. How did it drop so low? And when I went to the doctor and finally got them tested, which took me and my husband so long because we were still kind of newlyweds and it was like $40 to get the vitamin D test done. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to pay the extra money. And it was completely in the tank. It was in the teens. And my doctor was like, oh my goodness. And I was working with a naturopath at the time. And she's like, you need to get your levels up before you become pregnant. Because I was wanting to become pregnant at that point. Before you get pregnant and before you start breastfeeding, a baby takes all that away from you. So I'm so glad that you brought up, you know, some really good recommendations for supplements, but also let's get, let's get tested too. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It can be just a proactive thing where you're just looking at where you're at and you are making sure that you're taking care of yourself so you can so you can take care of baby and your family. Yeah, and to that, I I want to say I know you're saying your doctor can let you know about your levels, but get a read on your doctor. Is it somebody who all they're doing is looking at the lab ranges? That might not be who you want to be looking at these numbers because that doesn't really give you a full picture. They're not um, shifted to the needs of somebody postpartum. Like they're not giving you a a postpartum lab range, uh, a breastfeeding lab range. Like you might, I think you need somebody to specifically look at those numbers with that lens. So Yeah, that's a really good point. I was very fortunate to have 
a pretty incredible midwife in my prenatal and postpartum period when I was up in Toronto with my oldest daughter. And then again, with my youngest daughter here in the US. And then I've also worked with naturopathic doctors. And that's just been my experience, um, along with my GP. And I, you know, my GP is very nice, but there were definitely some lab ranges that she missed when I was talking to some functional lab ranges, at least that she missed when I was talking to, or she, maybe she didn't miss them, but she wasn't paying attention to when I went and talked to my doctor and clearing things up was really what helped me, you know, feel a lot better. I was going through some symptoms myself. I won't go in detail because we could, you know, chat for about lab ranges for hours, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so yeah, no, I'm 100% with you on that. Definitely, definitely see where your doctor's at in terms of what are they looking at? Are they looking at it from a postpartum woman's perspective or just a general lab perspective as well? I think that is important because postpartum women are in a different phase of life than, than other women and other people in different phases of life. Definitely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So we could keep talking. I could keep talking to you for hours. And I, you know that I'm, I've already had my two kiddos. We're not planning on having any more, at least not biologically in the near future, but I love talking about this stuff. I find it so fascinating. And I do hope, I know that the woman listening is going to get so much out of this, especially if she's planning on becoming pregnant or she's, you know, coming into that postpartum period or maybe in between babies. So thank you so much for, for sharing all of this. I'm wondering if you have any sort of last pieces of advice, anything that maybe we didn't talk about that you're like, I really want to get this message out to the postpartum woman. Yeah. I I think just going back to the support aspect of it. And you asked me early on, and I don't know if I fully answered this about why I'm in this space. And it's because I saw a huge hole and I I'm definitely into it. Like I was into the pregnancy nutrition, the, you know, making sure your babies are getting the nutrition when they first start eating. But like, there are a lot of resources for that. And they're just, there's something about this postpartum period where women aren't talking about their needs enough and people aren't then focusing on support for that period. So, and you know, it's wonderful if you don't need it, but set up the support ahead of time in case you do, you'll be glad you did. And it's, so I have two kids. My experiences have been very night and day with how my body responded. Um, I, I obviously did different things with this pregnancy because I learned from that experience, but also some of this work of stocking my freezer. It's it's night and day with the bond I got to have with my baby and just being able to be present and be happy and be there for my family. And it, I'll just touch on this, but the marriage, um, if you're in this state postpartum where you're extremely depleted nutritionally, you're not supporting yourself, you're not sleeping, you're exhausted, like the the marriage can suffer and it, at least minded and that didn't happen this time and we got to bond as a family in a different way without mm-hmm. having this extra emotional stress because the emotional stress can come from the not sleeping but if you are able to give yourself the extra nutrition, you might not be depleted in the same way. So I, I think that's all I want to say is just trying to support yourself as much as possible. And then you're going to just these acts of 
knowing you prepared this food ahead of time and you made the soup and you're taking it out of the freezer and you're eating it and you feel like you're really nourished, you know that you're giving yourself body, your body something that it needs, it can start this cascade of other healthy habits. Like anybody who quote unquote, like starts to eat healthy, you see that you're more likely to go out for a walk or it's just making these good choices. So setting yourself up for success in a way for really just this period where it can be so beautiful to bond as a family. And it's not just with the first baby, because with the second one, you're bringing, you're adjusting with your child, getting a new brother or sister. And it, it just like having space for that transition is just really wonderful. Oh my gosh. So, so good. You know, I have one more question, I think, because you know, we were talking a little bit about this, you know, some of the other things that a mom could do to take care of herself in the postpartum period. I know we're primarily talking about the nutrition side of thing and the nutrients and supporting your body in that way. And the support, you know, like the, the mental support when you're making sure you're getting a therapist, you're getting on the same page with your husband, you know, and I would also say, you know, lactation support, definitely having someone there um, that you can call if you need that, because I know goodness knows I definitely needed that both times with both of my babies. Are there any other ways of, you know, support or supporting your body in the postpartum, maybe from a life, a lifestyle side of things that you, that you want to kind of share with the mom who's listening? I think for me, the big thing I think of when you ask that is just allowing time for rest Um, I don't think it is the time to push yourself to start exercising, even if it's gentle, it can be really good to have these small movements, like doing legs up the wall will kind of help that blood flow, go back to your center, help that healing. But even in that, like allow yourself to not do it if you just can't. Um, So I think allowing that space and not feeling pressure to get back into anything and there's some things I had my second baby right at the beginning of quarantine. So there was something really special about that. It it was different than with my son where people are wanting to come over and you're like, okay, but the house is going to be messy and I'm not going to be put together. But then when the day comes for them to come over, you're still kind of cleaning up and feeling like you need to be a certain way. And then they're there when the baby's happy. And then you're stuck with the crying baby after and it feels overwhelming. Like, oh, that was the time I could have whatever made food for myself or something like so there's just there was something really special about that period being like quarantine like now that we know how to do zoom calls like I liked being able to play a game online with my friends while I nursed my baby rather than having them into my house so I think that's the big thing I'd say is just try to give yourself space Mm -hmm. Um, and also the the guide we put out um, is available for purchase now. But like I said, you can just put your email in and get part of it for free. So like some of the information about blood sugar control, some nutrients and some recipes to see if it's something you want to purchase. But we offer coaching along with the purchase of the ebook. So there's that package where you can get a coach and that would be, it's really not a coach in, in a lot of the health ways where you're like, um, getting somebody to push you to do something. It's more just support. Like here's what I'm feeling and to have somebody to talk to. So 
um, I, I think it's a great resource. I, I created it because I think it's great, but it's it's going to help you create foods ahead and prepare ahead during pregnancy for this postpartum period. And even like buying, you can buy it if you're postpartum already because there are a lot of quick and easy meals and it gives you this information about how to support your body because you're really postpartum, like the postpartum nutrients you have last about a, a year that you have these postpartum needs that are special. And then um, obviously how long you breastfeed plays into that, but you're postpartum more than six weeks or whatever people want to say with the short-term disability. So um, the, the guide we created is going to educate you on what you need during that period, but also provide these really practical tips for, well, what does that look like? What does my freezer look like if you're telling me to prepare HUD? So I, I think that's a great resource as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. So good. So I have three final kind of rapid fire questions that I love to ask. But before we jump into those, where else can my listeners find you? So you have your postpartum guide that is ready, available for purchase. They can get the kind of free part of it where they can dig into it a little bit. But how can they get in touch with you if they want a little bit more support postpartum? Yep. So my website is michellettaggy.com. And Taggy is spelled T like Tom, A-G-G-E. I know it's in the episode, but people have misspelled it still. Um, and then at Instagram, on Instagram, I'm at Michelle Taggy underscore NTP. And like I said, the lactation ball recipe will be in this freebie. So if you go to my website and click on get a sample of the guide, you'll be able to download that recipe. So. And then also my, sorry. And also you can find my podcast, Nourished and Nurturing, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, assuming you do. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I know. And your podcast is so good. I've listened to quite a few episodes and a lot of them are, you know, when you, when you have talked about you know, kind of the early stages of motherhood and all that. I'm, I'm past that, but it's so interesting and it's such good information. And so I think, yeah, the mom listening is definitely going to go ahead and, and listen to your podcast as well. And I was on your podcast too. So this will be, you know, airing in the fall, but uh, in the summertime. So that was so fun to be able to be on and have a chat with you as well. So, oh my gosh, I appreciate your knowledge so much. This was so good. So much good information. I have three final questions that I love to ask all of my guests, if you don't mind. The first question is, what is your favorite thing to cook? Okay, so I have two. Lately, it's been sourdough, and I think that's more of a trend, but it's just cool to have this presentation of this loaf. Um, but really, I like to make curries. Like That's kind of my favorite thing is like the, the Thai-style curries. Yeah, so good. We love curries in our house, especially like the coconut curries. Yeah, those yeah. are a staple in our house. So good. So then what is your favorite thing to order or have someone cook for you? So I'm going to say Indian food for this one. So you'll notice a the theme. We like really strong flavors. Um, oh, and Indian food is great to dip sourdough into, but uh, <laughs> that's not something I cook myself. I've taken an Indian cooking course, but I don't cook it much on my own. So I love to order that. That's so good. I've definitely cooked Indian food at home. And there's a couple recipes that we make that are curries, like Indian style curries that are good, but there is nothing like going out to an authentic Indian food restaurant. 
It's so good. <laughs> I love the idea of pairing sourdough with it too. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. That's so my good. thing now. Like just dipping the sourdough in the Indian curry. It's amazing. You have to do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So good. I just made a loaf of sourdough too. It's in my kitchen right now. And I'm like, we don't have any Indian food takeout around here. It's just, there's nothing good. You have to go like 45 minutes to get it. I'm like, can I bring my sourdough with me? Would they be offended? <laughs> Oh, I love that. So my last question that I love to ask, because we talk a lot here on the podcast, and I know you know from our conversations we've had before about finding balance in every area of your life and looking at food as a source of nourishment, fuel, and pleasure. So I'm wondering what your beautiful balance means to you. Okay. So I feel like this is still a work in progress and I'm sure it is for most of us, but I think trying to, at least around food, have it this, that have it be a positive thing. Don't, don't think about the restrictions, like make things that you're proud of, like make things that you feel like nourish your family and nourish you. But you're also like, even if it's something simple, like having that pride around what you're putting on the table rather than just like angrily put, like feeling like you have to get dinner out there. Um, that's my, my, like, don't make it a chore. And if it's a chore, relook at it because you're not going to stick to it. Anytime you do some sort of plan or diet, like if you're bringing this negative energy around it, you, it doesn't stick. So bring, bring love to your kitchen and to your family. Yes. Oh my gosh. What a wonderful place to end things. That is so great. I'm a hundred percent with you. I think, yeah, it makes such a difference when food and cooking is joyful. So thank you so much for being on Michelle. This was so awesome. And I'm sure my listeners are going to go ahead and connect with you. I look forward to seeing you all. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.